Riley Friday, the 1st of February, February 2nd here on the Sleepers Podcast, and I feel like we pulled off a buzzer beater, a little bit of a miracle, the win probability was low, and then we made a phone call to Riley about an hour ago. We're recording this on Thursday, it's Duke Carolina week, and we had to get our resident Carolina fan in the house. Riley Davis, welcome, your hair looks fantastic today, how are you? I'm doing great. Yeah, like you, we talked a little bit offline. I know uh, it's been a big week, really a big week and a half for the Gotta Get It Boys, as we have affect, uh, affectionately referred to ourselves as when it comes to getting haircuts and little tune-ups. I got one scheduled for tomorrow, so I'll be looking fresh, looking uh, nice and well-kempt at the uh, the UNC-Duke game on Saturday. So, Self-proclaimed Gotta Get It Boys. Uh. <laughs> flip, flip. Greg, I'm doing it every video, so you're just gonna either have to. But like, I don't know. do you realize how much it throws off the rhythm of the video to like have to dedicate ten of the first thirty seconds of every video to like, I just did a slipper flip. Like, not only do you just do it while I'm talking, you you're like, hey, Greg, I just did the slipper flip again. Right, so like, is there a way to go about it that would make it better besides not doing it? Because I'm gonna it's, keep on doing. It is just a horrible listen for all of our audience that every single video starts with you talking about the slipper that you just flipped. I'm kind of nice at it now, though. Like, I'm improving every video. <laughs> it's so annoying to me. It's more annoying than your breakfast bits. The good thing, though, is like you always say, Cart, you love something for a month and then you forget about it. So we only have mm -hmm. about three more weeks of this bit before it just disappears entirely. Uh, yep. Riley, before we go to any comments today, uh, how are how are you feeling? It's rivalry week. It's a big week. Your team's off a loss. Uh, where's morale at? Morale was really high on Saturday when Carolina went into Tallahassee and got a win over a, a Florida State squad that, you know, was kind of working their way back on the bubble and watching Duke have to squeak by a Clemson team at home that I think that they have way more talent than. Um, coming off of that game, I was like, man, UNC might win this game by double digits this upcoming Saturday. Like, I was feeling really good. I It seemed to me that Duke couldn't guard Carolina. It seemed like Carolina would lock Duke up. And then on Monday, Duke handles business at Castle Coliseum at Virginia Tech, which has been a, a bugaboo for them, a common landmine in their schedule, and they led pretty much from start to finish. And UNC tripped up at Georgia Tech, and now it has me rethinking everything. So I still have faith in my heels. And we'll, I know we'll talk to that, talk about that at some point on this show today, but you know, confidence is a little bit shaken. Um, I, I need my guys to carry me through it. You know what I'm saying? As in the ones who are actually in the locker room, not just on their couch. <laughs> makes sense. Oh yeah, makes I, need, sense. I, need Riley, I need Riley in the locker room and they're like, they're just looking like, who are you? He's like, guys, eyes on me here. <laughs> I need this one. Elliot, me and you come Not on the fouls let's go come on for, for the gotta get it boys please <laughs> I, I do feel like i've seen a lot of riley davis armando baycott clips this year where you, i'm sure you're probably hitting like a nice clean dap after you click end recording on the button like like if you walked by armando baycott like outside of a panera is armando like oh what up riley that's a good question. He might recognize me. I actually at Chipotle last year, Leaky Black saw me from across the room and gave me a head nod, which was a nice little uh, uh, some validation there that we made eye contact. And he immediately was like, I know you. What's up? Um, Armando, I haven't talked to as much as guys like like Harrison Ingram and Seth Trimble are two of the guys I've talked to more post game who I maybe they remember my name. Maybe they don't. But I think they dab me up. That's nice. 
Yeah. Are we are we going to address at all that the scenario you brought up is that Riley and Armando Baycott are running into each other outside of Panera? I mean, well, what, what's, what's wrong with that scenario? Riley, when's the last time you've been to Panera? It's been a good while. <laughs> I don't think Armando Baycott has ever had Panera. <laughs> Panera oh, I pushed back on that hard. No chance. Panera is good. It's just too small of portions. That's always been their issue. Facts, and you, you, have to, you pay like 15 bucks for half a sandwich and a cup of soup and you're still hungry afterwards. Yeah. Are, are we really ago, out here? Years. Are we slandering the you pick two right now? That is not something we're going to do. Yeah, on the you pick two is quality. You pick two was special. You pick two 10 years ago was Paul Pierce with the Celtics. Nowadays, it's Paul Pierce with the Clippers. It's It ain't worth it. Why? Because they trimmed portions? They trimmed portions, the price, them, everything. Them trimming the portions and upping the price was the equivalent of Paul Pierce tweeting out the, the photo of the rocket ship yes. emoji when you knew <laughs> things exactly. were starting to go downhill. That's exactly what it is. Interesting. It seems like you guys are more up to date on the latest Panera menu than I am while I'm getting made fun of for bringing up Panera. That's fascinating. Well, what's funny is the Panera in Chapel Hill is literally across the street from the Chipotle, and that's where where I ran into Leaky Black, and I have seen Armando Baker at this Chipotle before. <laughs> Seems like a pretty reasonable scenario then. Maybe. Let's move on to the show. That. If, you, if you think a guy of my size isn't plugged into the food industry and what's going on at all places, whether I go to him or not, you're dead-ass wrong, my friend. This is true. Cart, why don't you take us to your YouTube comment of the day? Okay, let me go ahead and fire this up. We actually uploaded some recasts before this, so I got to scroll down a little bit because I lost the comment that I wanted to say. Because Gregory's so great at you know uploading things. Um, where'd it go? Come on, man. Oh, this is a bad listen. I know it's a bad listen, Greg. God, Lee. Uh, this is the one I wanted to discuss. Um, there's a lot of discourse about what a male witch is called. A male witch is called a warlock, 1960s bewitched. Mm. Okay. I'm not going to attack age because that never goes over well on this channel. But no one on here was alive in the 60s. So you can't blame us for not knowing that a warlock is a male witch. Well, I thought a warlock was just an like an ugly, ogre-looking thing, majestic, magical creature. Could I chime in real quick? Because, like, yeah. with all with all due respect to the uh, correct word that should be thrown around with a male witch, uh, I proclaim myself a witch, and I got the better of a warlock yesterday, as Cart knows. Cart, I think. I was, think what you were. It was me one or one on one with a warlock, and I got a W. Are you calling me a warlock? No, are you not following what happened in our emails yesterday? I one on one to Warlock. Oh, it came out victorious, my friend. I forgot about that. In final four. Fi- is this a final four reference? Yeah. Maybe. Should we should we break the news? I guess we can. Yeah. Sure. Why not? Oh yeah. So we sleepers media has never been credentialed for the final four in the past. Greg Waddell was credentialed with the field of sixty eight. I just Dre Gibbs lawhorned myself, sorry. Uh, and Cart was not, but he basically came with me and we did all the content together, right? Uh, we applied as sleepers last year and got denied, which we were very frustrated about after the travel series that we busted our ass for. And we had Rob and Jeff trying to help us. Uh, this year, we figured the work we have done on the channel would speak for itself with previews and recaps, aligning ourselves with Heat Check and others that are credentialed independent media sources. Anyways, Sent a long message to the lovely David Warlock, uh, applied for credentials, got denied, was 
pretty pissed yesterday when we got denied. So immediately sent a big response email that was just like, can you please tell me what we need to do next year so that this doesn't happen again? And uh, within five minutes got approved. So Sleepers Media has been approved for the Final Four for the first time ever. We will be in attendance and Carter Elliott will be a credentialed media member at the Final Four mm-hmm. for the first time in his existence. Shout out to my haters. But yeah, you don't want to see me if you're a warlock. That's the bottom line. Um, anyway, sick. I, I missed that reference. That's on me, Gregory. My fault. I had a really good joke teed up where I was gonna say an ogre-like creature that you were thinking of was a Whitlock, not a warlock cart. But now I just feel like we need to focus on the sleepers' accomplishments. No, that would have been heat. That's on me. I'll <laughs> yeah. pick it up. I, I let the slipper flip throw me off. I think early yeah. on, I'll pick it up. Well, I mean, like, if you're going to flip the slipper, like, at least put up crazy numbers with the slipper flip. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you're right. That's on me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Let's get to the Discord, a bunch of comments, and then some fun topics to get to today. We start with Tristan Freeman from Busting Brackets, who says, In honor of me, have you ever gone somewhere in anticipation of food, and they ran out by the time you arrived, and then your whole day was ruined by result? They said ran out of food. Oh, shit honestly this one hits close to home so for the white elephant uh family christmas party that we had for one of our parties um usually like every family member is kind of like assigned to bring a dish right and i brought this up many a times i have a massive size family like massive like mom is one of currently that are alive i think 12 kids um so like i have aunts and uncles out the wazoo and one cousin brought one single dish of mac and cheese, one singular pan of mac and cheese, a a staple dish, might I add. Like, if you're going to short something, short some green bean casserole. One pan of mac and cheese that was gone before even half of the line of getting food could even get there. It was It was a demonic act by her who did it. I won't call her out by name. She knows who she is be better but it that that's probably the most disappointed that i've been in recent memory showing up to a place that just didn't have food riley i got a i got a follow-up question for that cart what are the chances that uncle joe aka jim gretzel took like 60 percent of the dish see jim knew his place at this at this function he didn't get in line first he avoided because i was in line you know i was in line first you know how i operate he didn't want to be in the same line as me, so he was, you know, he was hanging out in back. I love how in tune Riley is with your uncle's actual name and your uncle's fake name that you botched in that entire segment. That's really, really good. Uh, the thing that comes to mind for me with food that went away, which has happened multiple times in the last five years to me, uh, you ever been at like a wedding and they bring out like the late night snack? And maybe you're at the bar, maybe you're trying to beat last call for your last whiskey sour of the night, or maybe the right song comes on and you're just like, oh no, I got to go do my thing for a minute. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll go get the McDonald's burger in a second. And then you pull up to the table and it's just gone. Everything's gone. The chicken figures are gone. That's devastating. Yeah. Happens all the time. It's, it's heartbreaking. In fact, at my own wedding, my wife and I did not get any food, which was, I didn't get any, I didn't get any of those chicken fingers and I was devastated. Yeah, it was crushing. Um, anyways, uh, moving on, Tristan has a question for Carter. He says, which team are you ready to give up on, Ohio State, Memphis, or St. John's? Out of those three, the one I'm giving up on is uh, probably Ohio State. 
I think. I think all three of those teams are very easy to give up on. But I think I'll give it give up on Ohio State more because I think that team has the biggest or has the sorry, has the most ability for both player and coach just to just to call it. Just like let's just chalk it up. This is this is it. It's over. Fair. Are we gonna talk about your toxic relationships with teams? Seems like you're attracted to some teams that are pretty hot messes. You know, I've always been called a fixer. <laughs> this is true. Uh, shout out to Queen Meg, who does not need to be fixed, though. I would say she's fixed you more than you fixed yes. her. Yeah, she's she's about seventy five percent of the way there. She's been lackadaisical. <laughs> That's as a crazy, man. That's crazy. Gotta, no, I'm saying she's got to fix me. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Well, correct. she's perfect. She's good. She's fixed to me. Yeah, correct. Uh, That's Travis- crazy. You think I would come on here and say I'm not done fixing my wife? Yet. I thought That's- you were talking crazy. I thought I thought you were talking. I'm just trying to hold you accountable on behalf of Queen Meg. That's what I'm doing. Uh, Travis Nelson says, I respect Purdue a lot, but I've always hated watching them. Edie is great, but that style of play that turns into a foul fest is a difficult watch for me at times. Are there times you guys don't like watching Purdue, or are you always excited? Riley, you want to go first? Um, I see where he's coming from. Generally speaking, though, I've, uh, I believe Braden Smith has elevated his game enough to make it an entertaining watch. Plus, when you have Lance Jones having a game like he did uh, against Northwestern, they can make for a pretty entertaining watch when the shots are falling. Hart. Yeah, I, I I'd lean more to the entertaining side, but I also see the other side of the spectrum on this. It's like you don't want to watch a game with 48 free throws. Like mm-hmm. that's just objectively not that fun. I don't find myself in the game frustrated with the watch. I find myself frustrated with the discourse I know is coming after the game when there's so many that- fouls. That, right, that, way that was such a great game yesterday, and the only discourse is foul differential, fouls, refs, fouls, fouls, all this. Like, yeah. like we didn't just see a 30-15 game from Edie, 24 points from Lance, a nuts hang celebration from Fletcher Lawyer, 20 from Bowie, 20 from Barry, like, but it's all about the yeah. other discourse. So that, 16 that assists, 16 assists for Braden. Like, yeah, right. it's... uh. And we're going to do a segment on Purdue officiating in this episode. So maybe we're part of the problem, but it's just, it's very frustrating. Um, yeah, I, that weighs on me when I watch Purdue. Fam says, happy Bluffs Friday, everybody. Are margaritas zesty? <laughs> margaritas are not zesty. I enjoy a good margarita. I also enjoy like a nice little fruity tootie drink. You know, like I feel like people, males more so, are hesitant to order like a sex on the beach or something like that if i'm in a tropical place and there's a swim up bar i'm cleaning out that space of sex on the beaches and mojitos i think mojitos are my my go-to i don't know if mojitos are acceptable uh for me who cares what's acceptable but i love i love a good sex on the beach a nice espresso martini as well mm-hmm. with the espresso beans on top don't shortchange me i don't want you to half-ass it uh but no margaritas are not zesty riley I'm with Cart. I enjoy a good mar- margarita, especially like a ha- nice spicy margarita, like a jalapeno margarita. Wait, 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 do you get tahini on the rim? Yeah, yeah, yeah tahini. Yeah. Tahini's a good, good, good pull. And I, I, I'm 100 with you. Like espresso martini might be my favorite cocktail. Is, I will never turn down an espresso. Okay, martini. favorite's insane, but it is a good cocktail. <laughs> I gotta be honest. I don't know what the word zesty means, so I'm having a hard time answering this question. No. Uh, oh, hey, sorry. So, uh, Dion, you're live on the Sleepers podcast right now. Riley Davis is here. It's a Riley Friday. Uh, so, fa- fam in the Discord 
said, uh, he asked us a question, simply put, are margaritas zesty? And then he followed that question up by saying, man, I wish Dion would join the show for like 90 seconds just to give a take on this. So I figured I'd give you a phone call unprompted. Do you have a take on if margaritas are zesty? Um, simple take. Kneecaps were being bit in the first half. I switched to margaritas and they came back. Is that zesty? That feels tough to me. That just feels hard. That actually did happen for the record. That's what he texted me after the game is I switched to margaritas. <laughs> so uh, impeccable timing. Uh, all right. Thank you, Dion Hillford. Uh, I still have 10 days to be ready. Don't worry. I'll be ready. I'll text you. All right. Uh, he, by the way, fam's follow-ups were, uh, is there an alcoholic drink that automatically removes your man card if you request it? Seems like our consensus answer is no. Order whatever you want. Uh, you order whatever you want. But maybe, maybe I, I'm not an umbrella in the drink guy. Mm. Umbrella or the shape of the glass. Like if you got one of those glasses that's like the the daiquiri, like long johns, like that's just ask for it in a regular glass. But also just keep your man card. Um, I don't. I'm. We're not. We're not doing that here. We're not doing the gender norm exercise. Like where it's zesty to take care of yourself and stuff like that. I, just still, do what I, you want. I still don't understand what zesty means. Arkansas basketball. So just like a little spicy, but something's off. It's Arkansas basketball. Next, next comment. I, I don't get it. Um, I'll explain it to you offline. All right. Uh, I feel like there's, Oh, last thing on this from me, champagne. How do we feel about like men drinking champagne? Like obviously champagne's good, it. but like, can you could you approach a night of drinking and be like, I'm just drinking champagne tonight, or is that a little weird? I would think it's weird just because I'm like, who likes drinking? Uh, who likes sticking with champagne like the whole night? I'm like, yeah. maybe I'm in, on the the periphery here, but I would just I'm like, I think of champagne as like, you know, we're all having a glass to celebrate, and then I'm probably switching to beer, maybe a little wine. Yeah, I I feel the same way on that. Like. Why you you're over? I don't. Yeah, it's just I doing too much. I, yeah, I text on the side, be like, is everything okay? So I I respect your opinions on this. Uh, I just want to shout out Louis Savona. Two of my favorite nights in college history were nights where we said we're going to pull it to the pregame with our own bottle of champagne, and that's it. Everybody else is like taking shots, drinking beer, whatever. Power hour. Me and Carter just or me and Louis are just walking around with a, a full bottle of champagne for each of us. It was great. This is uh, this might be a pseudo bluff story, but my fraternity in college we had a champagne party every fall that we only served champagne. So similar vibes. It's fun, fun vibes. Uh, there, it was a lot more fun, I think, being the only two that were doing that for some reason than it was like a themed night. But um, okay, I'm trying to make sure we're not missing anything else here. Uh, oh, we have a new member of the Discord, Kyle Tupper. Round of applause for Kyle Tupper for joining the Sleepers Discord. Thank you for the support, Kyle. means the world. He says, oh, I've got one I've been sitting on for a while. Which Big Ten coach do you think would be the most fun at a cookout? Painter just looks like he was born to grill dogs and burgers with a beer in hand and a king of the grill apron on. Izzo definitely tells stories around the fire. Fran and Collins go a little too hard and probably fight. Car, what Big Ten coach would be best at a cookout? Uh... You know, in honor of Black History Month, uh, I'm going to have to go with either Juwan or Ben Johnson. Okay. You took the obvious route there, I think. Riley, any thoughts? Uh, I see the argument for Painter. I see the argument for Ben Johnson, honestly. Um, I know that he's got a hair for he's got hair for grilling. 
He does. I think my last pick, I can say without doubt, the worst at a cookout would be Greg Gard. I feel <laughs> I like that man has. It. No, I, I feel it. like he has no personality, um, and that would probably show. He might be. I'm like, what do you think Greg Gard talks about in his free time? I just think he'd be the most likely to wear the non-cookout fit. Like he would show up to grill in a suit, and that's just not like a, a like a suit and closed toe shoes. That's not how you grill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. I uh, I can't believe Underwood hasn't been mentioned yet. I think he would be a great grill master guy. Um, and I bet the Underwood family probably throws some great parties. Uh, I also would like to give a shout to um, Fred Hoiberg, who uh, there's something about like, if you're going to be on the grill, be handsome on the grill. And Hoiberg has that covered for sure. I can see that. Yeah. I can see that. Like yeah, sunset like, sunset cookout too. Like the you know the golden hour is sitting yeah. upon Hoiberg as he flips his burgers. Yeah, yeah, it'd be something. Like all these other guys have like massive aprons. They're probably wearing like big, way too large T-shirts, and like Hoiberg's just pulling up shirtless with a nice tan. And you know it's that time of night. Like things are working. Uh, last thing, Cart. If you went the route, you went. No, Mike Woodson mentioned. I because I don't think he'd be able to. I don't think he'd be able to turn on the grill. Because he grew up cooking everything by fire. Ah, <laughs> uh, well done. Okay. Hey, he's definitely getting some like uh, ketchup and mustard stuck in his goatee. That man has like minimal minimal room for error with <laughs> with he his face. He cooked in black and white. Like, let's, let's stop. Ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> hey, while we just shouted out uh, Kyle, who asked a great question, also want to shout out Wonderflonium, who just joined as well. Two Purdue fans joined the Discord today. Uh, Purdue fans. All things going well for them right now. We appreciate the support. If you want to join the Discord, it's $9.99 a month. The link is in the description of every video that we do. I think we got about 120 people that are paid members in there right now. And uh, Ryan the Lion, you came back last night. It was great to see you back in there, my friend. We missed you for the 12 hours you were gone. Uh, okay, let's get to the show. I want to open with a Purdue-oriented topic today. This is uh, the first Riley Friday in a long time that I told Riley I'm bringing topics. So blame me if you don't enjoy this episode. But um, there's some shit I wanted to talk about today. So Purdue last night, everybody's upset about it one way or the other. Like Purdue fans are upset that officiating has become the story of the game. Non-Purdue fans are upset that a team committed 30 fouls to 15 fouls that there were 46 free throws taken by Purdue to eight free throws by Northwestern. We talked about this game specific officiating in the recap, which is up on the sleepers channel right now, as of yesterday. Um, But I think there's a broader conversation about Purdue officiating. I want to get off my chest. And I had a revelation during a late night shower last night that I think I've solved how officiating should be discussed in circles that everyone can agree on, no matter what side of the fence you're on. So I'm going to run this by these guys. First of all, Purdue, uh, they don't foul much, and they get fouled a ton. That's what they do. That's not a gimmick. Aaron Torres is a dumbass for saying that there should be equal foul. It's not equal opportunity foul. Style of play indicates fouls. That's true. We accept that premise. Purdue, more often than not, is always going to shoot more free throws than their opponent because they don't foul much and because Edie is one of the best foul drawers in history. Specific to this Northwestern game, it's the opposite. Northwestern fouls a ton. They do that all the time. That's because they don't have a strong front court, so they just have a bunch of guys who have to hack to try to prevent the other team from making layups, and they shoot a bunch of jumpers. If, if you're not attacking the rim and you shoot a bunch of jumpers, you're probably not going to go to the line a ton. So 
all in all, the way the game played out means nothing to me. I, I don't think there were specific calls that went horribly on like a shooting foul in this game that Northwestern deserved and Purdue didn't. That's been the case for basically every Purdue game this year, and I don't have issue with it. Here's where I've come up with the solution. In the, the aftermath of this, where there's a bunch of people who are blaming the officials, pointing out the disparity, just the raw number in free throw shot should never happen in a game. That's what people say. Purdue fans' response is, well, okay. I mean, there were three calls missed for Purdue, but there were three calls missed for Northwestern, too, that helped them. Like, calls were missed both sides. Look at look at this, this, and this call. That cancels out this, this, and this call. Figured it out. No, it doesn't, gentlemen. No, it doesn't. Hear me out on why. Conspiracy G-mode. If we accept the premise that one team fouls four times as much as the other, which we all agree is true based on how they play, then the number of missed calls needs to reflect the volume of fouls. It's not a fair game if 40 fouls are called on Northwestern and 10 fouls are called on Purdue and there's three missed calls that benefit each team. It should be 25% of Northwestern's fouls should benefit them. They should have 10 calls out of 40 that go their way. If Purdue fouls 10 times, two and a half of them should go their way. So for the aftermath of this to be, well, we got three missed and you got three missed, three out of seven is so much better than three out of 40. Like that's insane. And I feel like I stumbled on this golden goose. I'm doing the Charlie Day whiteboard thing. It's math, it's percentages, and it makes sense. Riley Davis, am I right or am I wrong? You lost me with some of the math, but I think I generally agree. <laughs> All this percentage talk is like, y'all should have brought an Evan Miyakawa. This is not <laughs> my strong suit. <laughs> you look like I, you're good at math, Riley. Carter, am I right I'm, or wrong? It, 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 I, I'll say this. You're right. I, I see what you're saying. The premise of it is, and if I'm doing the, what is it, the TLDR, is that it's three out of 40 missed calls instead of three out of seven. So it's like, if it's missed calls, it should be like 10 to 15 for Purdue to even it out. But then when you put it like that, it's 15 missed calls to three missed calls. Like that's a, that'd be fairly, like, a but, fairly called game would make the same number of missed calls that corresponds to the number of fouls. Like, it, the missed calls should but, not be how Greg, many for Purdue and how many for Northwestern. How do you rectify that, like, with the, this percentages, with these numbers, if Northwestern just fouls way more than Purdue does? Because this is why it's unfair. This is why the end result of this specific game ended up actually being unfair. Because... It is, it is true that one team is usually always going to foul significantly more than the other. That happens more often than not in basketball game based on style of play. But if the officials are actually good and doing their job well without a bias or some sort of thing that's benefiting one side or the other, then the percentage of missed calls would apply to every foul in the game, not either side. So it, like the officiating crew, if they're going to miss 20% of the calls that game, then the team that fouls way more is going to also have the same quantity of missed calls in their favor that they would of calls that don't go in their favor. So like I, that's where the end of this Purdue Northwestern game drives me nuts because there were three really, really high leverage calls that went Purdue's way. Those calls mm -hmm. specifically were 
Uh, Ethan Morton tackled Ty Berry on a three. Should have been an and one. No call. Uh, it, Zach Eady chicken wing hooked a guy on his hook shot. And Something they gave, hunger, right? Yeah, and they, they gave him free throws. That could have been a hook and hole. And they gave Edie free throws. And then the very last play of the game is Lance Jones. I know this one's up for debate. I don't, I think it was a 50 50 call, whatever. But Lance Jones basically, again, chicken winged his arm to get around the baseline. He ends up going to the free throw line for the game ceiling free throws. The point is if Purdue, which in this game, Purdue only fouled 15 times to Northwestern's 30, that, that was the number in this game. We can accept that that's accurate and that reflects how these teams play. But if Purdue fouls 50% less than Northwestern does, then you can't miss the biggest obvious ones for Purdue and not miss the obvious ones for Northwestern. And that's what happened in this game. So like at bare minimum, Northwestern should have gotten one of those three, if not two of those three. A game that ends up tied in regulation is probably swung in the other team's favor if just one of those is called accurately. And look, all in all, I don't have a problem with the way Purdue games are officiated. I'm not doing the Torres coming on here saying Edie's unfairly. It's not true. It's not true. But it makes it so that it, when Purdue is always going to foul less than their opponent, you have to get the missed calls right. Like Edie fouls so little that when Edie actually does commit an egregious foul, like the one he did where he hooked the guy, you can't miss that call. Otherwise, it's it's perfectly fair to come on after and say, yeah, Northwestern did get a bad whistle because there, there were a bunch of calls for Northwestern that didn't go their way because there were a bunch of fouls from Northwestern. So it puts more pressure on the officials, but I think like both sides should, I don't see how you can't agree with this. Like if, if Northwestern is fouling way more than Purdue, they should also get way more calls to benefit them if the game is officiated fairly. That didn't happen last night. Purdue fouled less. They also got more breaks. There you go. Like Chris Collins has something to be upset about. That's my take. Hmm. All right, I'm a lot more in after that last uh, that last month. Now, now you got me, you because you I think you left out the numbers, so I think it it meant a lot to me. And look, the the thing about that last call with Lance Jones to me, and I I, I actually always wondered this. And you know, when one day I, I don't know if you guys know who Jada Pinkett Smith is, uh, she has like those red table talks. One one day I'm gonna have one of those, and it's gonna just be with referees across the country, and we're just gonna mm-hmm. we're gonna talk, and we're gonna figure some things out, and we're gonna connect after years of trauma and trauma that had caused me both on the court and off the court. Uh, and one of the questions I will ask them is, is there any sort of that this guy shouldn't be rewarded because he put himself in a bad situation? Because as I'm looking at that last foul on Lance Jones, which by the way I thought was a hook. In this case, I know there's a discourse about the knee being in him, but to me, you're bailing a guy out for being in a spot he should not be in. Like, I hate bailout fouls, and I hate them, one, when players commit them, but I hate it when players get rewarded when they're in bad situations. Like, you're the one who jumped in the air. I'm not going to reward you with a push foul or something like that, or you're the one who put your head down and drove baseline and just jump widely out of bounds. I'm not going to give you the benefit of the doubt for a blocking foul or a push. I would really like to understand if that's part of it. Because in this situation, one, Lance Jones hooked the guy in my eyes. Who knows if that changes the outcome of the game or not? It might. It, it probably wouldn't. Who knows? Uh, but a guy's in a corner, trapped, nowhere to go, end the game situation, they throw it in a corner. 
and he gets rewarded because he hooks a guy and then kind of takes a dribble towards the baseline, by the way, and loses the ball. Like that, I, I hate when players get rewarded when they put themselves in bad situations. Mm. That might be my biggest gripe. Okay. Riley, anything? Carter, how much, I was just going to ask how, how better – how much better officiated do you think these games would be if we just didn't have stripes and you called your own foul like we're in a pickup game? Uh, I think Purdue would have shot 80 free throws because I think they <laughs> they believe they get fouled every single possession. Yeah. Yes. Uh, bottom, bottom line is this. Like, Cart, just this is an untrue hypothetical because you work as hard as I do. But hypothetically, if I did – 80 previews and recaps in a week and you did 20 and we had a sponsor that was paying us for all of them fairly you getting three hundred dollar bills and me getting three hundred dollar bills would not be fair correct yes or no like one side's doing way more than the other the scale needs to correspond to that that's how calls work and mr hey, welcome, to, welcome to america my brother uh that takes me back to systematic racism for years thousands of years uh your people no, your people have been taking the bigger cut for no no i'm kidding but uh, i'm not kidding at the same time but yes that would be unfair all right just wanted to make that clear like that's that, that's don't don't hit me with well purdue had three missed calls out of 10 anymore that's not i don't accept that answer anymore let's move on uh okay Wait, Second wait, wait sorry, 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 sorry. One last thing that I, I want to say before we move on. I'm sorry, I have to. It's insane to me that a lot of the complaining is on the Purdue end about foul calls. How you complain about officiating or even bother yourself in officiating with a game you shoot 46 free throws in is crazy to me. Like, your focus on missed calls on Edie, you shot 46 free throws. What are you what are you up in arms about? On to the next topic, Gregory. Yeah, it's tiring. It's tiring. And stop with the screenshots on everyone on both sides. Don't don't give me a screenshot of a play that's supposed to tell me how a foul was supposed to go. It's not how it works. Okay. Oof. Oof. I'm angry. Uh speaking of angry, my team is probably looking for a new head coach soon. I think there's a lot of teams out there that are looking for a new head coach soon. Your two teams are not one of those. But with that said, I want you to put yourselves in my shoes because I started thinking more about this. I had some people tweeting at me yesterday like, hey, when Juwan's gone, who do you want them to hire? Who do you want the calls to be made to? I think this is one of the weakest coaching candidate pools in a really long time. Like you're telling the, the hottest name out right now is supposed to be Dusty May, who is not having Florida Atlantic rolling right now. I mean, they they look like a just very struggling basketball team almost night in and night out. Um then you've got Mick Cronin and Eric Musselman, who are the rumored, we're going to leave our job for a bigger job. I mean, Mick Cronin's going to finish in the bottom three in the Pac-12. Eric Musselman has the wheels falling off of Arkansas. So I just want to go around the horn real quick. Who's the best hire that a vacant program could hire this offseason? Like, give me a name that I should actually believe in. We'll throw it to Riley first. I still wouldn't hate a Musselman hire, but I'll give you a different one than that. But just with Musselman, it's like, this is what his first really bad year. I don't know. Every once in a while, that's going to happen. I think his track record still speaks for itself. When you look at the tournament success, when you, when you look at the way he's usually able to find good transfers that no one else wants, like JD Note a couple years ago. Um, and he's been able to get NBA dudes too, from Anthony black to Nick Smith. I know Nick Smith didn't really pan out the way 
Arkansas fans probably hoped, but I think he generally has a good blend of veterans and NBA talent that like, if I was a Michigan fan and they hired Eric, Mus- if I was Greg, I would be ecstatic if Eric Musselman was my coach. Yeah. I think there's some, there's, yeah, there's going to be some concerns um, that you have the occasional y- year where it all falls apart or that he brings in some questionable transfers like he does every year. But more often than not, I think he usually hits. Um, beyond him, I, I'm still a believer in Jerome Tang. I know this year hasn't really gone the way that Kansas State expected. I don't think like Tyler Perry is not Marquise Noel and Arthur Kaluma is definitely not Keontae Johnson. But they've been a little more competitive recently. I know they just got blown out by Oklahoma, so maybe that's not the the most appropriate time to share that. But he's another guy who I think can raise money with NIL, good recruiter. And I still just go back to last season with a, a roster that pretty much everybody was down on in the preseason. Like he had those dudes, he was coaching circles around the Big 12. And in particular, I remember like anytime he would draw up a play after timeout. It seemed to work. Anecdotally speaking, it felt like it worked 90% of the time. I like those shouts. Yeah. To me, it's not the names that are being brought up. If I'm trying to like get a guy, if I'm a, if I'm a school that has a vacant spot, yeah, I'm going more so the route that I want to call other schools poor. Like I want to go say, Xavier, you're poor. I want Sean Miller. I want to go, I want to I want to head across the street to Cincy and be like, this is cute Bearcats. You're poor. I want Wes Miller. Like that's kind of the approach I'm taking, or or I'm taking the approach where you just like got to make like the best guy say no. Like you make Scott Drew tell you no. I know he's not going to leave, but you make him tell you no. I don't like the pool of guys necessarily. Like I, I like Nico last year, but he's like going. He's coming to. I mean, this year he hasn't. What is it, Greg? He hasn't won a road game. Or something and yeah. has, hasn't won a road game in his last four and not West play. Yeah. Yeah. So I just it's it's not one that is intriguing to me. I mean, you did make a good point, Riley, though, that I didn't really think about. Like all coaches do have bad years. There's 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 a certain there's a certain few coaches that their bad years aren't as bad as you might think, but I don't think you can argue with the success that Musselman has had as far as freshmen, bringing in freshmen, bringing in transfers. Uh, just having the personality of being like Mus also mm-hmm. like him himself the enigma the enigma that is Eric Musselman and like he's you know making elite eights and beating these really good teams like was it last year he knocked off Kansas mm-hmm. as the one seat like yeah like he's that was just last season so yeah uh, I think I need to make sure I remember that and put that into perspective that you know one off bad years are such a thing but that brings us to the next point kind of is like. How do we know that Dusty May wasn't just like a one-hit wonder? Like, did he have anything before this? I he might have. I might not be aware of it, but like small sample size, like he might be a one-hit wonder. One of the biggest I personally mistakes. go ahead, Riley. I was gonna say, I personally feel like the the mainstream dialogue around Dusty is that like, oh, he this going into the year, it was like, oh, he's the future Indiana coach because of his connections there and everything. And that he was going to build off of last year and have another stellar season. When in reality, I feel like he's like he's a better fit at NC State. I think he <laughs> that that's because I'm, I'm I would guess NC State moves on from Kevin Keats after this year. And to me, Dusty May just feels like a perfect candidate for that job with a less history than Indiana, some history, uh, but never really going to be a higher ceiling than a five seed in the tournament, maybe four or five seed. 
I just I think that's more his his uh, level, so to speak. I, I think there's a lot of coaches, a lot of schools that wish they had their coach opening last year instead of this year. Yeah. Like yeah. where's Shrews where's Shrewsbury going if some of these jobs are open instead of Notre Dame? For sure. Where's where, where's Sean Miller going instead of maybe Zay- I mean he's probably going to Xavier, mm-hmm. but who knows? Like where else he could have maybe gone. Uh a lot of like coaching carousel, coaching cycle things are about timing. And oh. It, those, you can miss windows. Those guys might still jump as well, like maybe down the line, maybe not this offseason. But I also like part of my point here is like Sean Miller and Micah Shrewsbury's team stink. So like like those are names I would still put on the like potential candidates list. Like no, none of the names that are supposed to be big names that aren't at their final destination right now are doing well. Not like none of them. Like there is no home run candidate. So I'm really confused because it just seems like an off year to be a program who wants to hire a head coach. And if you look back at the last couple of years, like use Tang as an example, I feel like some of the best coaches that have emerged as great coaches were assistant coaches. Like mm-hmm. Jerome, Jerome Tang. Now, yeah, Tommy Lloyd and Jerome Tang look like dudes who are about to run this sport. And I like, <laughs> <You're famous. laughs> yeah, yeah uh-huh. like <laughs> that's crazy, but true. But should you be looking for someone like that and steal it from a program instead of some of the like, oh, are we going to talk ourselves into like the Miller, the Millers again, who are like not going to finish top six in their conference? Like, <laughs> I, I just don't know. It feels like a gross time. I'll give you guys some names that are shouts for me. Uh, I still I agree with you on Muss. It's one year, but Muss is also like chaotic and a job jumper. Like, I don't think there's any chance Muss goes to a school and it remains there for 20 years. Like, you might just not want to deal with that bullshit. Um some names I think deserve warrant to jump to a bigger program that will not remain at their schools forever. TJ Otzelberger, elite defense guy who keeps getting really good guards in. I think he could be at like a big time program and be really good. Um, this one seems less likely to me, but Greg McDermott, are we sure he's happy at Creighton? Are we sure Creighton's happy with him? Great offense guy. I know he has some issues, but like that's a guy who's consistently been a good basketball coach. This one's kind of funky. I think there's a chance Tony Bennett leaves Virginia. Um, I, people are not happy with him. He's got two years left on his contract. I don't think he's done coaching. I, I don't know that a lot of schools will necessarily like immediately want to pay him crazy stuff at this point, but he's definitely maybe the best coach that might be interested in leaving. And if you are going the mid-major route, the final one I want to shout, I think Richard Pitino would be good. I know like Minnesota didn't go great to say the least, but his team, he had teams there that won games a lot more than Ben Johnson has. And people like Ben Johnson right now. So uh, those are my four. Like if I'm, whether I'm Michigan or whether I'm a different opening, if I'm hiring a current head coach, those are the four that I would keep an eye on. I think Otzelberger was a great pull. If I, like once again, Greg, if I was in your position and Michigan hired TJ Otzelberger after the season, I would be on cloud nine. I might take a week off of work to celebrate. Like that, that feels like a home run hire for Michigan. Yeah, I would love it. Would, 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 love would it. we get you and Schmedium polos on every podcast? Oh, for sure. M dash yeah. mediums would, would go through the roof. <laughs> um, I got to hit the gym a little bit though. So give me like six months notice ward manual, if that's going to happen. Cause I got to <laughs> up the bench reps a little bit. Um, okay. All right. Thanks for indulging me on that topic. Let's get to the final topic. It's North Carolina Duke week. It's the greatest rivalry in college basketball. Uh, Riley, where would you say, like, where does this rivalry rank in all of sports rivalries? Is this 
Just number is one. Is that even a question, Gregory? Like, you know, I'm going to say number one. Yeah, what, but like, what touches it? We, we had a discussion about this, though. Like, the true rivalries go across many different platforms and sports. Yeah. It's just basketball for y'all. What is more than just basketball, though? Like, Auburn, Alabama is just football. No, it's kind of, it's kind of basketball now. Yeah, basketball is rocking. Both both programs have been very respectable for a decade there. UNC and Duke and UNC and Duke and football. You've had some oh, classic God. battles. You the just last laughed. Time. You, you just that. laughed, right? <laughs> you, you laughed. Uh, okay, that's not what I wanted to ask, but I just wanted to pulse check you on where you were at with that, um, because you know you did say like after after Coach K was exterminated, uh, I kind of feel like maybe maybe the rivalry would lose a little luster when. You know, you, you, he went out sad, right? Is it really such a big threat when you sent the baddest student sport history out like that? Uh, on one hand, it's great. Like, I did feel that way at the time. It's great to have that trump card. But the fact that we all have such short memories and it's a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately sport makes it mean something again. And after watching UNC get packed up, especially on their home court, as Tyrese Proctor and Mark Mitchell were like smiling and waving at our fans, I just hope that UNC is ready to handle business. Okay. So I'm going to torture Riley a little bit here because this is the question I actually want to ask on this segment. And I'm going to throw it to Carter first, and then we'll get Riley's answer after. Duke and North Carolina, best college basketball rivalry there is. Which program is actually the better program? Carter, what's your answer? Uh, Duke. Please elaborate. I just think, I mean, I love both programs. I think both programs are historic, but I said the first school that came to my head when you said the two schools, and it's, it's Duke. Like, Duke, I think, has the, the pros. I know UNC has the pros, too, but, like, Duke has the pros. They got the one of the greatest coaches of all time. They have coached for them. The brand, the Cameron Indoor, call it corny what you want. Like the Duke brand is factors into it. Like it's 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 cult like. It's strong. Uh, I think it's stronger than a lot of other places. So yeah, I think you know if you go to a bias, if you go to an unbiased source, go on the street outside in a state that doesn't even matter to any of these places. So we can say the state of Michigan. To be honest, if I ask fifty people, UNC Duke, I think about forty people would say Duke. Hmm. Okay. Out of 60? Huh? You said out of 60? Out of 50. Uh. So I, th the last thing I'll say, then we'll throw it to Riley for a rebuttal here. Uh, I feel like whenever this rivalry is said to me, just like, oh, are you ready for the blank rivalry? Isn't it pretty much always Duke, North Carolina? Duke, Duke gets the first billing in that? Like, I don't. I'm just saying, like, I, the more I reflect on this, it's it's Duke, North Carolina. Are we gonna watch Duke, North Carolina tonight? Like, eh. Riley, always, your it's thoughts? always you. It's always UNC Duke. It's always North Carolina Duke. I don't know who y'all are talking to, but they are wrong. <laughs> uh, let me just say the reason why Carter feels that way, and the reason why quote unquote forty out of fifty people would feel that way, is because of the Duke propaganda. That it, yes, their branding is great. I will concede that to them. Their social media is great, but social media and branding doesn't hang banners. And when you look at who has more final fours, UNC, who look, who has more elite eights, UNC, who has more sweet 16s, UNC, who has more national titles, UNC, who owns the head to head battle, UNC, who's won the one time these teams matched up in the NCAA tournament, UNC, the only oh, thing wow. I think Duke might have more conference tournament championships, but like, 
who cares? We've all talked to this before. We'd rather have regular season titles because that shows your team was better throughout the course of the season than got hot for a weekend, which is what Duke has always done, which is what Coach K prioritized, which is what Roy Williams famously did not prioritize because Roy Williams was focused on winning national titles. And yeah, you can say Coach K has more titles than Roy. Yes, I'll give you that. But <laughs> but Roy, I'm always going to rock with Roy as the better coach. I'm rocking with my program as the better program. And yeah, they they don't have the pros that Duke does, but they got more rings, got more wins, and they've been dominant in pretty much every decade. Whereas like Duke, yes, they had some nice years in there under Vic Bubis in the pre-Coach K era. But like, come on, they they really didn't become a thing until the 80s, whereas UNC has been doing this since 57, at least. Dagum it, those are some great points. Uh, I think you might have lost Riley is locked in. You, you might have lost Carter when you said before 57. Uh, Carter, yeah. you're you're pretty much a like now guy. Like it, yeah. the, the I understand. Even I understand. That's yeah. fair. You can you can poke holes in that. I'll give that to you. I'll concede that. Yeah, but also like in Carter's defense, is Coach K? Did that even happen? Hmm. Like, did Coach K happen? Did yeah, it Coach happen? K happened. It did. I mean, that was a while ago, right? Well, not all of Coach K. Coach K, like after two thousand, happened. Okay. Um. So, I mean, respect first of all for making the argument without even including the fact that you packed up Carolina in their coach's legacy run. Right, like for the first time for y'all, packed up Duke, packed up Duke, or yeah, I'm sorry, packed up Duke in the legacy run in the Final Four. Um, like that's to me, isn't that that that's the moment where the if it swung, if it needed to swing, how can Duke say they're the greater program after their greatest coach went out like that? Yeah, Shaman Shaman said it was dead. He he meant it. That the rivalry's dead. They you you you, Duke's gonna have to do something pretty wild to like get it back because I feel like that's a tr- you know how like if you're losing an argument and you just say like okay yeah, like your mom like you pull out a your mama joke like and you're just like all right that sends it over the edge like that's like like Riley said that's a trump card you packed up their goat mm-hmm. twice one on his night where everyone was honoring him and once uh, in the final four that is crazy it makes me so happy whenever I go to Cameron Indoor Stadium and see all the Coach K memorabilia that there is nothing, not a single relic, not a single piece of the floorboard, not a single piece of the net commemorating Coach K's final game in Cameron because my guys had heart. My guys wanted it more. And we had R.J. Davis who spazzed for 30-plus in Cameron Indoor, and he's about to go for 30-plus in the Dean Dome on Saturday. Like, come on. I, the, the best that Duke fans can say, again, because we have short memories, is, oh, we we packed up UNC last year. We swept you. <laughs> Preseason number one. Do you want to know what who else beat UNC last year? Everybody? Pittsburgh swept us. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Miami you, swept. I you, guess Miami. you are you are swinging on the verge of maybe making Duke's argument for them when you start talking about how Pitt swept you. So I'm gonna, I'm, gonna I'm just saying that last year's you. irrelevant. Like, congrats on beating a NIT team. Congrats on congrats on sweeping an NIT team. Yeah, that's that's way more Wait, impressive. Notably, notably not an NIT team. Not yeah. an NIT team. Let's remember that. <laughs> uh, I I have some quick hitters for you, Riley. Uh, where's the better game day experience? Where's it better to watch a game at? Dean Dome or Cameron? Yeah. Do I have to answer this? Yeah. The environment, Cameron, is really good. Okay. Uh, who's the best player in this year's version of the game? In this year's version of the game? R.J. Davis. Come on. Is that even a question? No flip? No, no flip. not flip. 
Are we sure that John Shire doesn't own UNC? I mean, he's 2-0. I'll give that to him. But again, congrats on being a team that rejected an NIT bid. But so if you're, let's say if Shire wins this one at the Dean Dome against a Carolina team we all agree is legitimately great, with a Duke team we all agree has some legitimate flaws, are we approaching Shire owns Duke or Shire owns North Carolina territory? Yeah, I mean, I, I will be a sad boy if Carolina loses this game. I don't know if I'll say John Shire owns UNC yet, but I will be very upset. Mm. Mm. The way the, the two games that they beat him last year was that one in the Dean Dome and one in Cameron. Mm-hmm. Okay, is it? And I'm I'm assuming you guys play twice again this year too. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, this is a big one in the swing because if he goes three and zero, and then he has a chance to go four and zero back at Cameron. Yeah, that's tough. Ugh. How much does it hurt that Cormac Ryan looks like he belongs at Duke? Uh, not at all, to be honest with you. I think Cormac played pretty poorly against Georgia Tech. I know his shooting numbers aren't as high as Carolina fans hoped. I still feel like he's been a good addition, who's a high-floor player, who, even when his shot hasn't fallen, really in pretty much every game outside of this Georgia Tech game, he's done other stuff to make an impact. So, I'm this, might be the, this might be the obvious answer. What's your happiest North Carolina Duke memory? Mm, I mean, the obvious one is like the Caleb Love shot, which, yeah, I think that's going to be tough to beat. Outside of that, I don't know. In some ways, that win in Cameron was like, I don't want to say it was better than than the win in the Final Four, but it was it it was when you started to see that that UNC team could actually be really good. That and what what transpired the next three to four weeks was special and memorable forever. Um, I mean, we also like. Beating Duke as a student was pretty fun. Getting to rush Franklin Street afterwards. Um, so those are some good memories. And 20, 2019 in Cameron is always holds a special place in my heart too when Zion blew out his shoe. Not that I'm pro-injury or anything that I was wishing that to happen, but why that holds a special place into my heart is because Luke May dropped a casual 30 points and 15 boards uh, on a team that had R.J. Barrett and Cam Reddish and Trey Jones and probably another NBA player I'm forgetting about. And Luke May put 30 and 15 on their head. <laughs> I hate that. I I hate that Luke May is a core memory of yours in this rivalry with all the great players that have I'm I get Luke May has done some great things with that. That's where we're going for the third memory. Okay, yeah. but come on. Like you're looking at a Duke team that literally had how many was it? Three? Oh, I, so, oh, I know oh, I know all about packing up that Duke team. Yes, you do. Hey. Goins and Luke May, two birds of a feather. Kenny Goins and be... Luke May packed up that team. Crazy. What's Incredible. your worst Duke, North Carolina memory? So my freshman year was the Austin River shot, but I was not in the Dean Dome when that happened. It hurt. It stung a lot. But I think what was honestly worse was my senior year. Um, Duke was – it was 2015, y'all senior year as well, I believe. Duke won the national championship that year. Uh, and that was Tyus Jones, the better Jones. That dude haunts my dreams still. He just spazzed in the second half in the Dean Dome. Carolina had a seven-point lead late in that game that just vanished because of Tyus Jones. I ripped the T-shirt I was wearing then had to dejectedly walk back to my house, which was like a 30-minute walk afterwards. That was, yeah, a great was that was a great year of hoop, 2015. 2015 was a good year of hoop, minus the, final, minus the final outcome. But Yeah, but it was a great year of hoop. This rivalry is so great. I really like it. Um, how old is Cormac Ryan? 25. <laughs> 25.2, according to Ken Palm. Just wanted to throw that is out he there. actually 25? 25. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. 
I thought Cart would like that one. Uh, okay, I think that's all I have on this. Uh, Riley, I, th- I think we might try and get you on the North Carolina Duke preview for this weekend, so I won't make you make a prediction, but um, I will make you do this. Can you give us three words to describe Duke fans to end this segment? Mm, acne. <laughs> Passionless. Nerds. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you. Uh, this should be really fun. I'm looking forward to this game. Let's go to one big thing presented by Bigby. Uh, Riley, start us off if you got one. Oh, man. I didn't have one prepared. I need to come up with one. Y'all might have to go first. Cart, go ahead. Oh, funny that you asked that. I'm so sick of this shit. Here comes my product of the day. Uh, Greg, you need to stop telling me that things bother you. And because if you tell me they bother you, my natural instinction is to keep it up. Now, for those of you who don't know, um, I am a protein bar connoisseur. Like, I have to force myself to eat breakfast because I really don't like eating breakfast. Like, I love breakfast foods, but, like, the fact or or the thought of eating something first thing in the morning just doesn't do it for me. I've tried a lot of protein bars, a lot of them, all right? This is the best, like, combination of price, taste, protein levels, uh you know sugar and everything like that like also you can get like the the built bars and things like those things are like you might as well eat a hershey bar at the same time the quest birthday cake bar is the top tier of all protein bars it's the only one you should be buying you can go with other quest flavors but this is the this is the pinnacle right here close runner-up is barbell protein bars cookies and cream cashew caramel cashew close second but if you're looking for a protein bar, head to Amazon, get yourself a birthday cake quest package. Easily the best protein bar out there. Uh, that's my that's my one big thing for today. I'm gonna eat this now because I'm pretty hungry. You just have so many bits at once. Like, do you ever get stressed about how many bits you have to do for every single video? My life is 24-7 stress, brother. It's also 24-7 bits right now. Like is everything a bit? Is go is your job a bit when we click end recording? Like is it a bit that you go in? Kinda. Everything's a bit. It's crazy. Uh, okay, my one big thing is this: I had a, an experience at the gym last night that I'd like you guys to tell me um, if I handled correctly and how I should feel about it. So I am notoriously a morning or a uh, midday gym goer. I am not a nighttime gym goer. I don't like it. It's always very busy. And it bothers me. And I just don't like ending my day with work. So uh, I went last night because it's the only time I could. Was watching Purdue Northwestern on the elliptical. And normally I do some cardio. Might lift a little bit. Then I go do a little shooting workout in the basketball court portion of my gym. The Discord knows about this. I have a whole thing. It's like free throws, threes around the horn style. You got to keep track. And if you miss at any certain point of the mark you need, you got to start over. And I don't leave the gym until I do it. Okay, fun little game that I do mentally. So last night I pull up to the upstairs gym and it's like they got the divider up. There's two courts and on one side, there's a bunch of games going on, a bunch of high school kids. On the other side, there's two kids playing one on one on one end. There's nobody on the other side. Like, perfect. So I go grab the ball from the bin. There's only one ball in the bin. I grab it, start my shooting workout, make all the free throws I need to make, start my threes. Make like I'm on track shooting the threes. Well, I got to make 12 out of 25 to move on to the next portion of my shooting workout, right? Just shooting, rebounding, going back to my spot. I'm about 10 threes in to this portion. And like a 10 year old kid 
comes down to the side of the court that I'm on, grabs the rebound off a miss that I missed, and just goes out and dribbles out to start shooting himself. Uh, I had AirPods in, and like I said, there were no other balls in the bin, and there's games on the other side, there's one-on-one on the other side. Ten-year-old now shooting on the rim with me in the middle of a shooting workout. I immediately just turned and put my shoes on and left. And then the kid shot the basketball. Uh, I think felt bad that he saw I was leaving and like tried to come hand it to me after. And I was like, it's okay, man. And I just walked away. Did I handle that correctly? Is the kid crazy for taking my rebound when I'm in the middle of a shooting workout? Riley, yes or no? Uh, Hilarious response by you. Hilarious journey through your your mental process of this. I don't think you necessarily handled it poorly. I don't think it would have been poorly to say, hey, little man, let me get that ball back. Sorry, I'm in the middle of something. I think that's a, a teachable moment for, for kids. Uh, speaking of, I guess I can share one bit. Well, uh, this might tie into my one big thing. I just thought of something. But yeah, I'll, I'm curious to get Carter's opinion first on how you handled it. Yeah, you you couldn't. That's the worst possible way you could have handled that. You you made it a thousand times worse because now you feel bad because you made him feel bad. He feels bad because he thinks you feel bad because you put your shoes on. You should have simply just been, hey, little man, I'm shooting. Like, give me the ball. It felt such a dick move in the moment to do that, though. Does it matter? Okay, does it? (laughs) This is going to be bad, probably. Does it matter that the kid was a cute kid? No, what's what? That's he needs. I think that matters. If it's a cute. If like I, this this kid was like I could tell he was just so happy to be. There were no available basketballs. All the older kids were playing games. These two are in a heated one. Like the only place this cute little kid could go shoot is the hoop that I'm shooting on, and I have the only free basketball in the gym. I had no heart to look him in the eyes and tell him he couldn't do that. Why? Yeah, maybe at that point you just let him shoot with you, where it's like, hey. Crazy man, get, get a couple like, shots up. Let me life, get some shots. That's back. life, brother. There's not an endless supply of basketballs in life. Sometimes you don't get the basketball, sometimes you don't get the side of the court. Adjust. The only thing in my head that made me feel like I was obligated to this was that I had my AirPods in. Like, that's a clear divider, right? Like, if I'm just like, oh, shooting, whatever, but like, like I, I'm plugged in, like, I'm doing mm-hmm. something. Like, if you're paying attention, like, I'm doing something. No, no awareness, but yeah, I choked. I feel bad about it still. You're right, Cart. I, I feel bad. He felt bad. Everybody felt bad, and I didn't get to finish my shooting workout. All in all, a loss. Riley, what's your one big thing? I just had a story time that this reminded me of. Um, spring training in Orlando. Uh, yeah, Daytona Beach, something like that. I was eight years old. My sister's a big Atlanta Braves fan. My dad, uh, me, me, my dad and her used to go down for Brave Spring training and they're playing the Dodgers and we were watching them warm up at batting practice the day before. And one of the Dodgers pitchers was like stretching on some sort of machine, some like elastic band. And, you know, I'm eight years old. I don't really care about baseball, but I'm like, this would be pretty sick if I go talk to a, a major league pitcher. So I go up and I am kind of messing with his like stretching equipment. And all he says to me is, hey, kid, I'm using that. Leave that alone. <laughs> and that was that was my equivalent to Greg's story where I did not get the autograph or the conversation I was hoping for with the pitcher. I got told to leave leave the equipment alone. That's crazy. I didn't know Clayton Kershaw was a dick like that. <laughs> That's why I'm not a pro athlete also. Like just no, no testicular fortitude to tell a 10 year old to go away. Could never do that. Which is very much what happened to me. And it was kind of crushing the confidence at the time, but you know, see, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want that to happen to little man. 
Riley's doing fine. If he let him use the equipment, he would be in a worse spot than he is now. You, you think, think Riley's the, tougher mentally the because that happened to him? Stretching equipment for him to play with. That's not how life goes. Okay. I guess you're right. The uh, whole world is Riley is the strongest person on this Zoom call. Like, th there's a reason for that. He was motivated by not being able and told to go away from that stretch equipment. He went away from it and found a bench press. That's true. What's hey, what's I'll what's Papa Davis's name again? What's the first name for Papa Davis? Talbot. Yeah, Talbot. Yeah, Ta Talbot had him through the ringer at times. Talbot was pretty much like, yeah, you shouldn't have been messing with the stretching equipment. So, no, sir. <laughs> sir, <it's Al. laughs> yeah. Um, Card, do I get any uh, handouts, any kudos that I finished a grande coffee during the recording today? Normally, you yeah. yell for that. That's that's that's. I'm I'm very proud of you for doing that. Thanks. Okay. All right, well, way to end the note positively this week, boys. Uh, thank you to Riley Davis. I would say go watch Riley's uh, North Carolina Duke live show tonight that they're previewing with the Duke boys over on the field of 68. However, this episode doesn't come out until after that's already aired. So go back and watch the recording of it. Riley, do you want to plug that real quick? Yeah, I mean, it's 8. Well, again, it's 830 on Thursday. I'll be tweeting about it. Uh, it'll be on the main Phil 68 YouTube channel. I need I need North Carolina fans. Even if you hear this after the fact, go f flood the comments on that YouTube channel. I feel like the the Duke the Duke boys got a large following. They might try to overwhelm both me and Jacob Karabatsis, and we we need you. Yeah, Sperry's on the ground. UNC. Cole Hans on the ground. Get it right. Driver right. loafers on the ground. Loafers on the ground. We'll be back next week. Everybody have a great weekend.